That I think is is what it's about. It's it is that ultimate vision of you know taking life on life's terms, but then being able to see with a different set of eyes, a set of eyes that lets me see God's hand in this, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't seem like this would be the hand that I would like to be dealt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, was jo- I always joke now that you have pretty good vision for a guy with only one eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the Valdoco Podcast. I'm Vicky. I'm Fa Steve. And we're here with a very special guest. Who's here? We have Father Tom Brennan. <laughs> Thank you so much. Living in the provincial house with us. And uh, Father Tom, we're happy that you are here. Yes. And uh, how you doing? Okay. Very well. Thanks. Better now than I'm with the two of you. Uh... Have you ever been on the podcast before? A podcast? No. Have you ever been on the radio? Yes. Really? Wow. Yes. wow. In... What'd you talk about? A little bit of everything, depending on where it was, because I've done it here and I've done it in other countries. Oh my okay, gosh! We've got a professional. Get ready, guys. He's been Old everywhere. School, radio <laughs> waves. Yeah. Well, it depended on what we were doing <laughs> at that particular moment. Okay. Very good. So we're happy that you are here. Yes. And we're happy that we have somebody here in the room with us. Yes. No Zoom call. Father Stu's favorite is his three microphones being used. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so we're gonna start as we always do with a couple questions for you, Father Tom. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go first. The first one is, would you prefer to fly or drive? Are you a road trip kind of guy or are you a flyer? I don't always see them as an either or, but I do like to fly. Okay. So you're okay with flying? I, like, I do like to, to drive as well, depending I, on where I'm going. Have you been on a road trip? Have you driven across country? Uh, only the East Coast and then across to the mid middle, uh, middle of the country. Wow. But never, f- never full, fully full away. Okay. No. okay. The full like thousands of miles. Mm. All right, my question for you is north or south? North. Wow, very confident. Why the north? I want to know. Change of seasons. Um, Autumn is magnificent. You can't change the colors. Uh, You have mountains and hills. Um, You have great variety. So winter comes and you're able to enjoy the change of uh, vegetation. Beautiful. So leaves fall. Yeah. And then you have spring, they all come back. Beautiful. There's a transformation. Um, I think it's a, a great metaphor for life. So you don't always have it down south. You're right. There are places no, you're that right. do, you're but right. I you have to go north. pretty far up yeah. south to forget Miami. Yes. Miami is beautiful. Thank you, Miami. We love you. Next question <laughs> musical or movie? Would you prefer to go to a play or a musical, musical. or would you prefer, yeah, musical? Mm-hmm. Okay. Live action. Live action. <laughs> That's Live <good>. action. <laughs> I love that. Enthusiasm. And um, I think you uh, get more engaged with the mm. uh, cast and with the story that's there, mm-hmm. that's being presented, because everyone is there trying to embody something in a real way. Um, so much of movies can be special effects and uh, sure. change it, keep going through. With live, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. Which is more real. Yeah, and you roll with it. Very true. Love it. All right, last one. Ready? Okay, so morning or night? What do you prefer? Are you a morning person or more uh, of a night morning, person? Morning, uh, but as people know, this guy, awake. four o'clock in the morning, what? full conversations, I'm awake, awake, I'm awake, running around the house. He I is am, alive. I start and uh, everybody. I wake up, I'm. Do so people hide from you in the morning? I hide. Yes, you hide? <laughs> I straight up hide. You do? I look around the corner, make sure. Stop <laughs> he it. listens around the corner. Oh my gosh. Because there's a few of us that, that are Yeah, you guys wake up very early here. They're up. Well, they are up. I am not ready. Listen, I'm up, guys, but I'm not. The secret of religious life is that they're awake very early. Not they just talk about it. I'm awake at four thirty. I'm awake at four, and you're like, how? And they just do it because they want alone time. <laughs> like that's the only time they can get it. Except for Father, except Father Tom is running around. I guess. Wow, that's incredible. And I go looking for him just yes. to harass. I would him. too. Yeah, you yeah, know what? Yeah. That makes sense. In fact, I did it because you told me to do it. Nice. I didn't tell him until this moment. So that's it's why all right. I do it. Amazing. Yeah, I'm really, really, I'm glad. Good. Well, thank you. So we <laughs> know, so, we know so much, but as we, but now that you can take your time to actually introduce yourself, we know a little bit now, yes. but, yes. uh, who are you? yeah, who are you? Where'd you coming from? What are you doing now? Are what are you, you a done a little bit? <laughs> but yes. quick. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, going through, um, yeah, well, as you, you heard, my name is father Tom Brennan. I am a Salesian for the last, well, in September, we're 50 years. Wow. I've been ordained 40 years, uh, in, uh, in May. 
it has been a, a long and circuitous route along the way. I've been privileged to be engaged in a wide variety of uh, ministries, uh, feeling quite privileged with that. Uh, I have worked um, in high schools. I've worked, uh, you know, uh, chaplaincy in university. I worked as a chaplain in a youth prison for ma maximum security for juvenile wow. offenders. I've worked in a treatment center for people in recovery, multifamily group therapy. Uh, spent a lot of time for many years working with adolescents um, who were either addicts themselves or were from addicted families, uh, helping them uh, with recovery issues, sometimes going into treatment when it was uh, available, um, bringing, going out to various parishes uh, with young people in recovery to kind of encourage kids to look for a life mm -hmm. of, of recovery. Uh, worked quite a while in, um, well, the University of Chaplaincy was quite good because you got to see people who were really trying to be eager and enthusiastic and, and really wanting to make faith part of their life, an essential part of their lives. Uh, privileged to see a number of young men and women enter religious life and priesthood during those years. Um, seeing also the opportunity to work at the UN for a number of years. Uh, working with uh, a number of delegations, sometimes with, with uh, the delegations of, of various countries, but then also working um, with other NGOs, faith-based some, some not, and looking at it from an opportunity to really look at promoting the church's mm -hmm. social doctrine, um, letting the, the church's teaching, the social, uh, Catholic social teaching, infuse all that we did in advocating on behalf, especially of those living in poverty, for those that are excluded, marginalized in a very special way, uh, working with people who are trafficked, wow. and then also people with HIV, um, and then people living in extreme poverty. Wow. So looking at those ways, we, we also did great advocacy on the human right to water, got it included in sustainable development goals in the, uh, in the preamble, um, lots of different things to advocate That's on amazing. behalf of, of people. So I've been privileged along the way to do all these things. Right now, I am uh, presently working at Salesian High School here in New Rochelle, New York. I am the guidance counselor for the freshmen and the sophomores. And then, I, of course, I am on the administrative team, so I am also involved in a variety of other things. But then I also am involved with the province's uh, Office for Safe Environments for Young People. Wonderful. So those are the main things at this wow. point. That's a beautiful. I mean, just to see that in a couple minutes of how much uh, I think... 50 years can do. Yeah, but a life of dedicated to service, no matter yeah. where you're sent. You know, as a consecrated religious, you take that vow of obedience, you're sent to where you are sent to do what you're asked to do. And, you know, the different experiences and the different lives that you met and interacted with and uh, opportunities from the UN to working in a prison to going around. So it's a beautiful witness to a life dedicated to service. Mm -hmm. But that's not what we're talking about necessarily today. We are not talking about uh, a life of service, or maybe we are. We're talking about a yes. life of joyful service, of optimism and joy. That's one of the... So on these episodes of the podcast, we are speaking about uh, solution spirituality, mm -hmm. youth spirituality, all the different aspects. And today's episode is on joy and optimism and how that is a fundamental part of our solution charism that really trusting in the presence of God, God's providence, God's blessings and grace, and that gives us um, reason to be joyful, even in difficult moments and yeah. suffering and all these things. So um, that's kind of why we brought Father Tom on here to speak a little bit on joy and optimism. And uh, so maybe you can speak quickly just in your own words, what, what is that as aspect of joy and optimism kind of in your experience, how you understand it, uh, and then you know, the, the charism, St. John Bosco, St. Francis de Sales, what that means for us as as the Salesian family. Yeah, uh, for me, the, the, the joy and optimism the, as part of, of a spirituality is really starts, for, first and foremost, on accepting life on life's terms. Where you are right now, at this moment, whether it's good times or bad times, and just simply, I accept that this is my reality at this moment. And that this is, for whatever reason, where God has called me. He's allowed me to have these experiences. And, you know, uh, Don Bosco always said that, you know, no one comes to a Salesian house unless Our Lady invited him or her. Mm -hmm. And that really we look at it the fact that God has invited us to each of the experiences that we have along the way. 
And so if I can accept that this right now, here and now is God's will for me, then I can accept that whatever happens, God is going to be with me to be able to face the challenges and then also sustain me and give me joy in the midst of it, knowing that if I am doing that which he asked me to do at this moment, that is my fulfillment. Because when I'm worried about the past, when I'm worried about the future and don't live the present, then I have a, an inability to appreciate and even see that which is right before me. And I think joy and optimism is really having a, a sense of vision, a, a, a sense of clarity of vision about what is here before me and who is it that I see that is before me. And in what way has God and why did God want me to be with these people at these times? Even the people that drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the people that drive you crazy. We have none of those here, though. Uh, never. So. I've never met Perfect one. In, in all of my 50 years, mm-hmm. I've never met one. But <laughs> That's a joy and optimism. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Someone say naivete. <laughs> Some stupidity. But, no, but it winds up. That I, and, and I do remember it because one, along the way, you know, various teachers, you know, give you things. But uh, it, it was a, a good uh, fellow religious, not a Salesian, though, who had said, you know, reminded us, you know, like, because he was living in a very crazy situation. He said, you know, it's the Eastern philosophy that the person who most aggravates you, the person who drives you crazy, is your teacher. And when you start to look at that, it starts to say, oh. What do I need to learn? And so part of, I think, having joy and optimism also means that I'm willing to learn Mm. at all times from lots of people, from lots of circumstances, and and for good and for ill, so that there's always a lesson and that I'm not looking just simply at the surface and I don't hold on to it in that, that really intense way that doesn't allow me to see, well, wait, I may get agitated at this particular moment. I may raise the question because we should. We should not, you know, tolerate evil. We shouldn't tolerate things that are unacceptable. But and to point them out, when it's it's not part of optimism, but not not part of justice to not indicate that which I see that is wrong. But to say that, and what will I do to try to be able to change that, or if I can't change it, change my response to it. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that's the hardest work. And I think that, that part of joy and optimism is, is the interior work that has to be done on a regular basis in order to be able to keep perspective and to not get overwhelmed very, very much. Um, that's a beautiful, actually, just to go off that a little bit, because I was told once that you know, anytime you're angry or resentful or you're frustrated or there's some sort of like emotion in you because of somebody else, it's more likely that it's it's pointing to something wrong in you rather than something wrong in that other person. So like every every moment of frustration or suffering or whatever it is, it is it does become an opportunity, you know, to to look inside, to go deeper, to um, to rekindle the relationship and the God who is right there with you. And so that is a that's a good point. And sometimes he hides himself, yeah, in order to ask us to discover him in this particular moment and he comes disguised yeah will we be willing to have that encounter i mean pope francis always speaks about it in terms of creating a culture of encounter Mm -hmm. and i think that part of joy and optimism is really the encounter to see that even this person that i'm meeting for the first time maybe maybe just on the street maybe in in the, the other things to learn how to accept them at this moment and then even in the circumstances over which we have no control to really say i have no control over this why am i getting mm-hmm. so agitated another eastern but more russian uh, um, that catherine Dweck doherty had had really spoken about is creating a pustinia in one's heart so the pustinia is a desert space so that you're in the in the in the midst of a traffic jam that's driving you crazy and you got the, the 20 people behind you honking the horn, can you go into that safe space inside that just says, you know what, there are 40 cars in, back, in front of me and there are 500 behind me. I'm not going anywhere real <laughs> soon. So why don't I live this moment 
as peacefully as possible. So I think joy and optimism is really about trying to create a sense of calm in the midst of a storm. Because then I can start to see more clearly the road ahead. Whereas if I get only obsessed Mm -hmm. and try too hard for now to try to fix something rather than accept it, once I accept my reality, ah, I know what I'm dealing with. Whereas if I don't accept reality, I'm always trying to create a new reality. Mm -hmm. I will create a new reality if I accept my present reality. Is the way I believe. No, I, I, yeah, everything that you're saying. I, I tend to err more on optimistic, usually, usually, not all the time. But I think for a long time, it was, it was said to be more like naive than anything else, but it's not. It really, I do, I think that desert space of like, this is calm. This is what's in front of us. So to, to accept first and then to look forward, like, well, Right. This is what's still happening and this is what we can adjust. Mm -hmm. And I think that because there are parts of my job that can be very complicated because I have to rely on a lot of people, which is good. Um, And it keeps me from pretending like I can do everything myself. Um, And so I think that that idea of of naming that calm as as optimism is such a good way to kind of like reintroduce optimism into people's lives. Um, because I, I do think it gets washed over as, oh, the person is just looking on the right side and it's like, it's much deeper, right? It is, it's the the calm that you're talking about that it's going to be fine. Whatever it is, it really will be fine. However it turns out. Um, And do I turn my life and will over to the care of God? That's true. Yeah. Because it can't just be like, am I optimistic? Yes. But is it that I'm, because I'm, am I optimistic because I know that it's going to be taken care of or it will be right. That there's an alternate plan that is better mm-hmm. or just different yeah yeah and that's why in we have this frame of reference that goes through all of sleep spirituality and everything like that and in the frame of reference um it was saying that it's it's not so much a psychological trait as a theological trait mm-hmm. because our joint optimism trusts in god no? right. that there our optimism is not just b- blind looking on the bright side no. or looking past things or pretending things are not there or yeah. not trying to fix things or not trying to work. And that's something that I appreciate about you, Father Tom, is that I see you always in action. Know that, okay, you could be faced with a, you know, some sort of difficulty or there's some sort of frustration or something that needs to be done, but you, it seems that you, you are able to center yourself and then move forward. Mm-hmm. So it's, you don't get, you don't get paralyzed by what's in front of me or this person in front of me or whatever. It's Okay. I'm here. I accept it. I know God is here. And now let's go. Now let's, yeah. let's work. Let's do something about it. I so. love too the way that you had mentioned, um, like how God hides in these circumstances and also people. I have a friend that talks about that often and I'm so, I'm so thankful to her in my life because she constantly reminds me that God is present in people when you forget, right? That's mm-hmm. the easy one to forget. Um, and I just, that's what I, I'm thinking of, of every time that you're talking about God hiding, like, I think it's easy for me to forget that the person in front of me that really frustrated me or, you know, I don't know, whatever, someone does something silly and you're like, why did you do that? Um, that can, that's also God. Right. And it's just whatever, whatever the, the revelation is can only be found when you stop and think about it and think about, okay, why did this happen? But, um, that that can still be an encounter. Like with and God. I still think it's, it's great to say mm-hmm. that was really silly or yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> to name really? it, but then to move name on. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. What are you gonna do? They did something yeah, silly. They did, and you know, I don't have to get stuck there. Mm-hmm. It's I don't true. have to get stuck with that person. The, the idea is learning how to not let another person control. Yeah. The way that I think and feel. Mm-hmm. So yes, they may do things. They may have things that may have a major impact, but that yeah. doesn't mean that I have to become desperate. It doesn't mean that I have to become bitter. It doesn't mean that I have to become mm-hmm. a, a person that um, does not continue to take charge of my own life. Yeah, we still get to control gonna, the reaction. Correct. Yeah, and do it. Do it yeah. the best you can. Okay. Beautiful. That is. That is. And I think if we could just quickly move to one one concept of that. This doesn't necessarily just automatically come. No, yes. that yeah. this joy and optimism also is 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 seen <clears throat> is seen as a as a gift. No, mm-hmm. so it is something that God gives us that it, it comes because we are in relationship with God. But it does take 
practice. Yeah. You know, it's not something that's, so I don't know if you can maybe just quickly speak on how you have developed this mentality or what are some, uh, what are some things that you do in the moment? Like you're faced with this difficulty, you're faced with this frustration, this problem. What are some uh, things that you can recommend? Yeah, you know, as I was thinking about, because I not knowing kinds of questions and where we were going to go with this, I said, okay, I can think about what is it trying to do? What is that for me? Oh, <laughs> oh man, they're going to try and stump me and I'm not going to be able to answer. But, because that's the way he is. He's very slick that way. But ah. <laughs> it was. He knows too much. That, <laughs> the, that I started to think, okay, well, what, what, what is a hook? What is a way hmm. to look at that? And part of that, um, as I said to you before, many for many years I was I was privileged to work uh, with many people who are struggling with and some st- still dealing with and, and some would say in recovery um, from their addictions and variety of addictions in, in, in all sorts of ways. And I find that um, the use of recovery techniques and prayers that, that are there, they have slogans and et cetera that go, but um, big things about letting go and letting God. And the first thing to say, let go, let God. And so often we say, oh, dear God, I, I give it to you. Are you sure you got it? <laughs> can I take a little bit of that back? Um, I was only kidding. Didn't mean that. I'll, I can fix this one all by myself. But really getting that attitude of letting go and letting God. And the a brief way of, of saying the the first three steps um, in 12-step programs is, I can't handle it. God can. I'll let him. And I think that that's, that's a, an important thing. Is wow, I'm blown away. This is like, what am I going to do? And at one point you have to say, well, I don't really have to do a whole lot because it's out of my control. So, but God can do something about it. You know what? I am going to type, turn my life and my will over to God. So I think that, that using that program, okay, the last step is, you know, practice these principles in all our affairs. It's really looking for that. That becomes a way of life. And so if we're encouraging other people who are trying to struggle with an addiction to a substance, a person, a, you know, a behavior, that then we have to do that for ourselves. Can I practice that? in all that I do. And of course, the serenity prayer, which has been so popularized by, you know, God grant us the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, wisdom to know the difference. So it's once again, looking for the ways. Now there's a longer version of it. I'm not gonna go into that now, <laughs> but looking for, for that way to really just say, I am willing to ask for God's wisdom and not simply my own. No matter how capable I am, no matter what I've studied, no matter what my experiences have been, there's always going to be something that I don't know and can't figure out. And the only way at one point I come to is coming to acceptance of it. And so do I accept or not? And so I I find that using the kinds of, of, of work that's done in recovery it's a recovery f- across all lifestyles. So it's mm-hmm. a God-inspired program and, and mm-hmm. all that. But I think that that goes for whether or not a person has an addiction or not. Agreed. Yeah. And I think that it's the, the principles are to be shared. Uh, I used part of this for um, a retreat that I just did. Yeah. So, that yeah. was cool. I remember learning about that in school. So I studied psychology and then minored in substance abuse and juvenile justice. Wow. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Super fun. Yeah. When you're saying all those things, I was like, oh, the dream ministry over there. Um, I do love what I do, though. Hello. Um, <laughs> but I remember learning about that and thinking the complication, right? Like if someone doesn't have faith, that how difficult that would be that they first have to like find God. Um, but that if they do and if and when, um, really like how how freeing it would be, especially in the case of addiction, because it really like addiction to anything really like just, I mean, takes over like mm-hmm. it, it is. And I think that's the, a, a difficulty of being people of being human beings is that we like crave identity. Mm-hmm. And so when, when your identity is found in something that's harmful to you, how quickly it is that that can become the part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always loved like that concept of the, like, 
that whole program, the one of the most successful to cake addiction is that program that first relies on God, something bigger than yourself that you can let go of. And I think if only we remembered that we could do that also, mm -hmm. we don't need to have an addiction, you know, outright diagnosed by somebody, but mm -hmm. that it could be the like struggle. Like if you're addicted to stress, like that could be what you could mm -hmm. say or whatever, whatever work, it is hard in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, that that could be the way that you can, let go and find the joy and joy and optimism. And then Father Steve had pulled this quote from, um, from the frame of reference that joy, the, um, where is it? The beginning, joy it speaks gift. of joy as a gift, not an achievement. And I think like how important it is to recognize that, that that really is the separator of happiness and joy. That, like happiness is that fleeting moment, but joy really is this continual gift that the Lord offers us throughout our life. We just really need to have Except the mindset the to find it. Accept yeah. the gift. Yeah. And to and to see it because it, it happens all the time. Um but like but how hard back, is that? But it goes back to the control issue. Yeah. That people want to believe that they can change and they are in charge. Yeah. And they want to change the suffering. <laughs> the gift is there. Yeah. Embrace it. Mm -hmm. You know, and well in first uh, you know first part of, of uh leading a person into recovery is they, they're, we pray that they get the gift of desperation. Mm. Because once I'm desperate... Mm -hmm. You're open. <laughs> I'm open and I say, I've really been messing up. Everything I've tried is not working. Yeah. I need God. Yeah. I need something greater than myself. And I think that that trust... So joy and optimism have that sense that some people go, oh, ha, 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 and hey, 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 and always, always... No. It's the other side. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really saying that, no, I am at the point where I still believe that something is there that will help me mm -hmm. through this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of, of joy. Yeah. You know, whatever happens. Yeah, and that's the, the gift, and that's what I was reflecting on over the weekend is you know the gifts of the holy spirit but really the, the main gift is the person like mm. we are given a person to walk with wow so that is it's not a thing it's not like a present like you get at christmas it's a it's a person it's a relationship and so that's what's carrying us through that's what's giving us joy and optimism is i am in the presence of a person who is alive who knows me who cares for me and that's why you know I'm obsessed with friendship, but <laughs> correct, and and that you know because you know, at first when you first started speaking, I thought of it in terms of you were saying, well, you know, Jesus is walking with me, God is walking with me, but it really is that He gives us companions along the way mm -hmm. at the right time, yeah. and that for now this particular person is important in my life, mm -hmm. and so I can He or She accompanies me in this journey. And that God sends me that to believe yeah. that it's not just, you know, all this theoretical kind of relationship with God, but he's deliberately sending a per particular person into my life mm -hmm. to help me yeah. at this. That's going to be another podcast. We'll, we'll move on from this topic because <laughs> we have friendship, friendship with Jesus is episode okay. coming, yeah. up, oh, coming up coming soon. Coming up soon. Oh, right. But, uh, <laughs> but it's beautiful, though, because I 100% agree. God definitely sent me people mm -hmm. that changed my life yes. in, in directions. And so... But we'll, we'll go That's on from another, that. Another yeah. topic, another topic. Okay. But the reason I brought you or we brought you on the podcast is because you are known to be somebody who has gone through some tough times. <laughs> so a little, I mean, we all go through tough times. You said that we all have difficulties. We all. But I recognize you as a person who has many excuses, who could have many excuses to have given up, to have pulled back, to have said, okay, this and this happened to me. I, I can't do this anymore. I can't go out anymore. I can't be in ministry anymore. Whatever it is, and and but I recognize you as somebody who gets up at four o'clock in the morning and who is throwing his hands around and joyful from four o'clock in the morning until I'm sure you pass out at night. That it's there's something deeper in you. Um, so I don't know if you could speak a little bit about your. You don't have to go that, into all the details, that but journey. that yeah. little bit of the journey. Because it's, it's been a long journey. Yeah, but we don't have, you know. The highlight reel. The highlight reel. The highlight reel. The highlight reel. The highlight reel is that I woke up one morning going blind in one eye. Mm -hmm. And it was very funny. It was a very strange thing. I said, well, that's really odd. Um, what's going on there? It was just, it was, and I, I was trying to blink it away. You know, sometimes you, you get that sleep, you're trying to shake it off in the morning and it wasn't going away. I said, well, I got a doctor's appointment in two days. I was going to get my eyes examined in two days. 
And so I said, oh, okay, I'll wait till those two days. I'll go in through. And then um, I that day came. I went and I actually had, um, at that point, uh, I was in Harvard Yard of, of all places. And I was at Pete's Coffee with um, two professors, the friends of mine. Anyway, we came out and um, I, I said to them, oh, look it. By the way, say a prayer. I said, I'm going to the eye doctor now. Something's really gotten wrong with my eye. And um, they said, what do you mean? So um, they were standing about six feet in front of me. One of them is quite large. <laughs> That's a nice way to say it. And the other one is not so. Anyway, I put my hand over my eye and I said, I can't see you. And up to this day, I remember, that's serious. Hmm. So I said, yeah, so say a prayer. I went to the doctor, went through anyway, long and short of it. He says, you really need to see, you know, uh, uh, someone else and going through. So how do I see that person? So I was still in the chair. He called uh, one of the local hospitals. I went to the hospital. I spent three or four hours doing all kinds of people running in and out of rooms. Anyway, I come to find out that I had um, what is called interocular melanoma and that it had burst through uh, my eye and blinded me. Well, it was not totally blind. I was about 90% blind in that eye. I could see a little bit down below. Anyway, long and short, um, the prospects not good, looking actually quite bad. Very few people get it. Not many places take care of it. Long and short of it, I wind up uh, getting some surgery. They thought it was going to preserve what little I still had, that 10%, so I could see the ground, but it didn't help. Anyway, um, I became blind. Um, and then from there, for a long time, long times going through and then um, thinking it was going pretty well. I was doing it blind, but still able to do everything. And then all of a sudden it decides to start growing again, which wow. after 10 years, and you're like, wow, that's not good. That's very unusual. And so now there's a big problem. And now what do we do? And the one of the options I had had, what is called gamma knife surgery at the time. The eye was still there, but I was it, it wasn't functioning. And, and there's long other details, but that are not important. But anyway, so it became clear that something had to be done. And anyway, um, I was up in New England uh, Medical at that point, but I was now living back in New York. I said, okay, taking out one's eye is not necessarily a, an easy thing. Mm -hmm. It may be more complicated, I think. So I was able to uh, go to see uh, a doctor I'd seen a number of years into the thing, and uh, this doctor, and they said, okay, well, yeah, going through. I said, yeah. I said, well, look. Um, I said, he gave me all the things that you can possibly do and all that. I said, doctor, you and I both know that the eye has to come out. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, I can't tell you what to do, but I wouldn't disagree with you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I said, look, I've been, I've been blind for 10 years. It's not serving me. It's causing me problems. It could cause me more problems. Um, so what are we doing? He said, good. And I said, yeah. I said, okay, good. So he said, well, let, let's do this. He said, well, how's next week? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> he looked at me and said, huh? <sighs> I said, look, you know and I know it has to go. You know and I know that it's been 10 years, it's blind, it's yeah. not going to. Well, he went out, looked, and sure enough, um, so a week later, they, the, the polite word is enucleated my eye. It's an amazing word. Yeah, it's a very, I was going to make a sound of like yeah, plucking out your eye. Do it. Yeah, and going through. So anyway, um, it's so, that, and it was just learning that and then having to get used to the fact that they didn't have an eye for a while and then, yeah. Having to give, it was, it was funny, I, I think I was saying mass, I was um, I was giving presentations at the UN, you know, giving some things we were doing, some conventions. Anyway, I had to wear sunglasses and stuff, and people didn't know my eye wasn't in the back of that. And I had this open hole because there was this, you have to let it heal yeah, before, you can start, you, yeah. before you can start to go for the prosthesis, and then I had to go get the prosthesis. It's long, and it's all over the place. Anyway... 
So that was going along swimmingly <laughs> for a little There's while. the optimism in yes. the <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, I, you have to go for all these, these uh, scans and things. And then they found out along the way, um, to my surprise and to everyone else's surprise, that I now had a new kidney cancer. Oh, my gosh. Which was something that was I was not expecting. Um, that threw me through a loop. That was like, whoa, what's going on here? So... I said, the eye's gone. I know I have a new cancer. Anyway, winds up that I, I get a, uh, I have to get a surgery for that. But the, the good news is the doctor said, oh, you've, I had just had my eye taken out. And it was a few months later when they found this and they go, that, so the doctor goes, oh, you've had a lot this year. <laughs> Understatement of the year. Oh my gosh. And uh, he says, uh, let's wait. And so we waited. I said, look, will that cause more of a problem? He yeah. said, no. Winds up that sure enough, um, about eight or nine months later, he said, well, let's not delay anymore. So I wound up with him. So I get that. And I'm he healing swimmingly. I got the, the cancer removed from the kidney, partial nephrectomy, blah, blah, blah. And uh, then I have to, it's, I'm now scheduled for my annual scans again. This is a month and a half after I've had the kidney surgery, and I called the doctor and said, do I really need to go for that scan? Why do I to need to, you know, do, do I, can't we, I just had surgery. Oh, no, we like once a year. Well, once a year, I go in two weeks later, I find a metastasis of the eye cancer oh to my liver, which up to that point had been saying that you get six weeks to live. Oh, <laughs> swimmingly. Yes, everything was just moving along just just the way I planned. Yeah, I'm sure. And it wound up that um, so we had to go. And the first question I asked the surgeon, which I remind him of <laughs> often, is, um, "Can you do anything?" Yeah. Because it wasn't clear they would be able to do anything. He says, "Yeah, I think we can do something." Anyway, they did, and that that went along. So. Three months after I had the first uh, surgery, I had now the liver resection as well. Went along swimmingly for a few more years, then had another metastasis. Oh my gosh! But um, now that's like a cat. Of, yeah, yeah. Nine I lives. know. Getting, <coughs> You're like, yeah, up. no big deal. Six months, six weeks to live. <laughs> but it. it winds up, you know, and then I'm now in, in in good shape again, at least for now. If I don't get a surprise in a little while again, um, and you just but the thing. It is that, and then, you know, so that's the joy and optimism. You can't change it. Yeah. yeah. It's there. Yeah. It is a sense that what am I going to do now that this is here? Mm -hmm. So you can choose to roll over and, you know, just stop. Yeah. yeah. Or you say, I, I've been given one life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to live life abundantly, mm. and I'm going to do what I can do while I can do it. And I think that that, now that's the gift. That's the gift that God gives you. That's the gift that God gives you that just simply says, okay, wait, breathe, take a break. Now I should say, because I, I, I skipped a part that I thought was very important. <laughs> okay. And I had actually wrote it down here and I forgot to tell you about it. Can I just say I'm so thankful that you're still here. Thank you. That was, wow. It. That's a lot. That's a lot to go through. Oh There's still maybe more. Hey. I don't know. Hopefully not. God, are you listening? No more. But it, it winds up on that day that I, um, that I uh, was first discovered to have the, the, the cancer. One of the two that were standing in front of me is a Hindu friend of mine who was there and was very concerned, but they were very good anyway. But that night, when I, after I got finished, I, I didn't get finished about 8 or 9 o'clock at night. This was like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It took a really long time to get all these things done. Um, so I called him. I said, look, and he says, oh. So he wound up calling Don Lourdes Capavila. Don Lourdes Capavila, Cardinal Capavila at the end, um, was the personal secretary to John the Twenty-Third. Wow. And so he called him to let him know that, that I had asked for prayers and that he wanted him to pray for me. And so Don Lourdes in Italian said, you know, ah, 
what is his name again? He wrote it down. He wrote it on a piece of paper. Says, "I will put this under the hand that wrote Pachamateris," and it wound up that he um, there's a uh, there's a, a cast of John's right hand, and then the death mass. It was done by Mansu, the, the Pope's artist friend. Uh, there's a book, a famous book on it called "The Pope and the Atheist." And he winds up, put it underneath there, going there. Now, I was privileged to, I became friends with, with Cardinal Capovilla afterwards. I've visited him a number of times, etc. Mm. And each time that I would go, he would tell me to go upstairs, because there's a museum of John Twenty-Third there in Sotto del Monte, and there's a tan chair. Not quite a recliner, but more of a relaxing chair, which was the chair that John Twenty-Third would sit in during his last illness, which was mm. cancer. Wow. And before the other thing. And I would sit there and then very, very emotional thing. The very last time that I sat in that chair, even though I went there a couple times afterwards, um, it was during the, the Don Bosco um, bicentennial. Mm. And anyway, I... For the first time, when I'm sitting in that chair, I looked around the room, and I've been in this room a number of times, I look on the wall, and there's a picture of Don Bosco. Wow. It was quite remarkable. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. it's <laughs> really, and I said to people, I said, you know, I have been in this chair a number of times. I've never seen, and I've gone around the room, I've looked at stuff. For whatever reason, I was drawn on that day to look there at mm -hmm. that time. Yeah. And to to see, you say, okay, well, where? That's where I went from the very beginning. Where's the vision? Where's the where's the eyesight? Where's the openness? Where's the reality that I'm willing to see? And that God allows us to see things when we need to see them. And that. So sometimes, you know, we want to have it right now. I want to have the solution right now. You say, can I wait for God's time? to be able to go ahead and make this, you know, and, and have it. And I mean, you know, I've been blessed that way to have another of those opportunities to see that God goes there mm -hmm. and says, okay. And then people being there. I mean, I remember the, when I first had the, the surgery, which was a little bit uncertain when we were doing the tumor and things, and we were down there and I had some great friends, including those two professors and, and some others, and the Jesuit priests and some other friends. Anyway, we were down there, and we were making a bit of a ruckus. Now, you need to realize that I, at this point, I had been bolted into a halo because I was going to be put into this machine and things, and the Jesuit comes in and says, oh, good, the Christmas card this year will hang Christmas balls. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, were, we, I, so we were making outrage, but, yes. but we were, oh, what else are you gonna Irish, do? the Irish uh, sick humor, but it winds <laughs> up that um, we were laughing and doing things, and, and at one point at the end, you know, going through, because afterwards you get drugged up and stuff, and you're doing these things. Um, and at the end, I, I just, I, after I had that thing, I said, I need to just take a break. I got I to gotta rest for a bit. So I rested about an hour. Then we came back. And so we're, we're laughing it up and, and doing things. And I apologized to them. I said, I'm really sorry that this happened, you know, that we're making such a ruckus because this is not a happy place. He says, no, no, we don't get to hear much joy down here. Wow. And once again, it's that idea that people... God sends you people there in the mm -hmm. midst of this craziness to say, no, it can be all right. There, there's still relationships that will be able to be supported, sustained, and expanded. Yeah. And that, I think, is, is what it's about. It's, it is that ultimate vision of you know taking life on life's terms, but then being able to see with a different set of eyes, a set of eyes that lets me see God's hand in this, mm -hmm. even though it doesn't seem like this would be the hand that I would like to be dealt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, was jo I always joke now that you have pretty good vision for a guy with only one eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I funny. have to go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, uh, but I think it, yeah. And I, I really appreciate you. Thank you for, for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think... There is many people out there you know, who, who just seem to be dealt one kind of bad news after the other, whether it be natural disasters. I mean, we look at all the yeah. craziness that is going on in the world with the pandemic and the natural disasters and 
you know, people are always, you know, I'm always getting a phone call from somebody that this person has cancer, or this person has cancer. Yeah. So it's really a, it's a reality that's there. But I think if we can, yeah, accept recognizing God is here present and then he is sending us people who are going, who can help us, you know, who can help us bring us that joy, that optimism. Um, and then we have to go through this and you do have some choice in how you're going to go through it and, and what you're going to look for. And if you're going to be patient enough, I, I love that analogy of that God will show us when we're ready. Mm -hmm. you know that sometimes we can go into the same room and not notice a picture. And then when we need to notice it, we, we see it. And, uh, so God is there working. So, and, yeah. and, you know, well, I think and I go back mm -hmm. to the thing that I, I was privileged, I've been privileged for so many years to work with people looking to recover. Yeah. And, to see the spark of hope mm -hmm. in gender in them and to see that they, they see that there's a possibility of something beyond the pain that they've been enduring, you know. And, you know, part of it is, is to say, okay, I can see something better. Mm -hmm. um, when, when I was thinking about, you know, preparing for, for this podcast, one of the young men that came to mind was he was 17 years old at the time, 17, maybe 18 at the time. Anyway, um, we were at a desperate moment with him, and um, he, he, he needed to be in recovery and going through, and it winds up that um, he had become quite desperate, and he had put a gun in his mouth. And it was, it was, it was tough. It was a tough day, and... And he said, well, I said, well, no, really, you know, this is not something that we really want to do today, you know, because this is not a great thing. He said, well, you know, if it was okay for my father, oh, wow. why isn't it okay for me? Yeah. And, you know, and then working out the, the details of that with him, I knew the father as well, um, I knew the whole family. So, but... The good news is that you see the miracle of God's grace at that moment, mm -hmm. which allowed him to understand that this was not the only viable option. And that so many times is what they, they only see it as the only possible viable option. And our role, I think, as, 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 as educators, as Salesians, as, as, as followers of Christ, is to help people see more options mm -hmm. so that they don't have to think that this is the only way. It's true. Yeah. No, it's true because I think, and I'll, I'll wrap it up quick, but like, um, like the suffering really may not stop. Like there are some people that have had just an entire life of nonstop suffering. And I think it, we can't romanticize the idea that like, I'm going to be joyful and optimistic and my mm. suffering will stop. It's not right. Like father Tom just shared, <laughs> I will keep coming. Um, but that it, it really, it's just the way that you choose to look at it. And like, obviously, like to be sad, to be like, to fall, to, to lose hope, whatever, all of these things are, are, are normal, but to then like allow the people in your life to like point you back, to be the joy, to be the optimism that you're looking for. So you can come back out of the suffering because there's nothing like suffering and staying in that suffering, right? Like then it really does continue even if it could have stopped, like we can make a, there's a, there's a choice we make on how we go through something um, and the people that we allow into that moment. And so I just think, yeah, like it's, it really could just be your whole life. It's hard, yeah. but the way you live through the difficulty, I mean, you're just going to heaven. There's a reward, right? Do you have to, yeah. If you're open to the gift, if you're open to the gift, I think that's what, yes. to, to, to finish it off there, I think it is, is, to be open to the gift of of the person the gift of yeah. of the friends that sh are put in your way the gift of the experiences and and to to hang on you not know, to hang on that they're going to go through ups and downs there's going to be joys and sorrows there's going to be all of that but but i think father tom yeah there's i think options. you i think you spoke well in mm -hmm. in opening up the vision in in allowing that to uh to live with joy and optimism even in the face of um great difficulty or suffering or and yeah so i know we could talk about this for for yeah, a long a while time. yeah but we're we're coming to the end here mm -hmm. and uh yeah we appreciate your presence here and uh 
we one more? would uh, yeah let's do one more really quick. just just the advice if you could just give some advice younger, just quick advice to give younger me a, you give me a one two three you can know you only get three sentences one, you two, can give to Father one, Tom. Young. Three, three advice. Three, three advice. <laughs> three we'll sentences. use our fingers. <laughs> Accept reality. Ooh. Amen. That's good. Live life on life's terms. Okay. Reach out. Love Amen. it. That was good. Sweet. You're amazing. <laughs> I feel limited to only have three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> put, gonna, put them in hand. going to get you after. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting a wake-up call at 3.30. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Really, yeah, we appreciate you. it thank so you. much. Thank you. Thank you for um, allowing me to share with you. And then yeah. the other tradition here is that the guest will lead us out in prayer. So if you don't mind. Uh, he won't limit you that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gracious God, we thank you for your presence among us. We ask that you continue to fill us with your light and your love so that we may always see your will in all that, that comes to us in our lives. Help us to embrace it with courage and with zeal so that we can truly be joyful. We can truly be hopeful that you are truly there accompanying us, supporting us, and sending people into our lives that will allow us to make it through any of our difficulties and our challenges. We thank you for the graces that you have given us over the course of our lives. We ask that you continue to allow us to be transformed by your grace. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Mary, help of Christians. Pray, pray for us. us. St. John Bosco. Pray, pray for, for us. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes. Thank you for all the supports. And we will be back next week with a new episode. I'm uh, not sure what it's going to be, but we'll be <laughs> I here. It's John Bosco. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we are in the month of January, mm -hmm. so we are celebrating St. Francis of Sales, uh, St. John Bosco, Salesian Saints. Um, so, yeah, any questions, but keep on going, keep on listening, keep on supporting. We really appreciate it. And thanks, everybody. Thanks. See you next week. Bye, thanks everyone. Bye-bye.